Hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, things are good, man. I mean, you, we always start the podcast with you asking me that. I, I feel like this bit, I've actually got nothing to say, so I'll ask, I'll ask <laughs> you, <laughs> how are things? <laughs> Uh, yeah, not bad. I've got anything interesting to say. Uh, I've been playing a lot of football, Barney. The listeners will know that I play, you know, I play quite regularly, a little five-side game. Um, but I've got a new gadget. Um, I've got an Apple Watch. So our our sister Mills gave me her old Apple Watch. And when she gave it to me, she said uh, uh, there, there's one catch. It only works for about two hours at a time. I thought that's absolutely fine because there's only one thing I want to do and that's use it to play football because I've got mates who use them and I'm always a bit jealous so um, I've used it for the first couple of times and uh, first time I used it I was comparing because it tells you how many calories you burn I was comparing it with, with my mate um, my good mate Jim who I play football with uh, who's very fit and active and I was kind of keen to compare with him like how many calories I was doing and, and anyway by the end I was like 10 or 20 calories ahead of him so he was quite um he was quite pleased, but he he said something that made me laugh, but he said, um he said, uh, oh wow, Albert, you must be running around it's because you're running around like a headless chicken. And then he obviously thought, Oh, that sounds um sounds like an insult. So he said, No, no, not a headless chicken, uh a, a chicken with a head. So <laughs> if any if any of the listeners are wondering what my um my football style is, then yeah, a, a chicken with a head. Uh, <laughs> I took that as a compliment. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> no, it's good to hear you put out good numbers then. Oh good yeah, stats. very good numbers. Very good numbers, mate. Very good numbers. Um, running around aimlessly burns calories. Uh, but of course, I do have big news though, Barney, which I'm sure the listeners will, will know by now. Um, next week's podcast is going to be a very special podcast because of course, um, going back to Portugal for another long ball football weekend, which is very exciting. Um, I'm absolutely delighted. Cannot wait. So next week's podcast will be an audio, di- audio diary podcast. If you weren't a subscriber at the time of the last Longball Football Weekend, uh, I'm going to Portugal for four days and I'm going to watch as much live football as I can. So on the agenda, Auto versus Estoril at the Estadio Jogal on Friday night. Saturday, two games in one day. Passos de Ferreira versus Santo Clara at the Estadio de Capital do Mobile. Uh, and then in the evening, I'm going down to Vizela to watch Vizela versus Braga. Sunday, and this is confirmed now, I'm taking a trip down to Lisbon for Sporting versus Boa Vista. And then Monday, it's back up to Porto, and I'm going to see if I can squeeze in Family Cow versus Casapia in the evening. So it's very exciting. Um, I'm not sure exactly when the podcast will be out, Wednesday or Thursday next week, uh, and it will be an audio diary of, of all those games. I'm really excited, Bonnie. I can't wait. So uh, yeah, hopefully it will be good, good content for everyone, as well as a good little holiday. I mean, it was great last time. I just, it was, it was perfect, making me feel very jealous. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've always planned to do one together. It might have to be an, an Algarve special when, when we do it. So, uh, I'm hoping next year when we have, if Ferenc get promoted and Porto and then stay up, then we'll get a little Algarve derby uh, in the weekend. That'd be fantastic. Um, well, I think we've waffled on for enough time, Barney. Let's get into this week's football. Um, and we'll start, as always, as we do with the top four clubs. Now, this week, all four of the top four won their games uh, quite comfortably. So we're just going to run through them in the order that the clubs currently sit in the table and start with the table toppers, Benfica. They beat Famalicão 2-0 at home 
thanks to two goals from Gonzalo Ramos. Uh, Famalicao were decent in this game, Barney, but ultimately didn't trouble Benfica too much. And it was a solid routine win for the league leaders. How many times have I started a conversation about Benfica by saying those words this season? Yeah, and the sort of the, the goal time seems to be quite similar recently as well. You know, there's sort of a, a late goal to wrap it up and uh, settle everything down. Um, yeah, that it was great for Goncalo Ramos to get two on there. I think what we saw perhaps, or what we're starting to see from him is there's more from his game. You know, I think the, he, he said good footwork, excellent dribbling. You know, he's the most foul, foul player for Benfica this game. Mm. I thought he linked up with Raps really well. You know, brought players into the game as well. And we're seeing a more polished strike, you know, somebody's able to offer a bit more, um, dropping off and, and picking the ball up as well. You know, he, he's he's really maturing in that sense. Um, so I thought it was, a, you know, it was great for him to get two goals and a really decent performance, I thought, you know, leading the line by himself once again. You know, that's something we don't perhaps talk about enough. Is, you know, he's, he's not playing with a partner. He's always him and, he, and he's doing really, really well. Well, it's funny. He, he finds himself in a in a top scorer battle, Premier League top scorer battle with his teammate, Joao Mario. Uh, and also, as probably Gil Vicente's friend Navarro, uh, the two goals in this game took took him to top of that pile, 15 goals for the season. Bearing in mind he's not Benfica's penalty taker, João Mario's six of his goals, I believe, are penalties. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos has got 15 without taking any penalties. It's a great return for the young man. With 11 games left of the season, he will be, you know, he'll be looking to break that 20 goal barrier for the season. I think. You know, if you said at the beginning of the season that Gonzalo Ramos going to score 20 goals this season, I think everyone would have been absolutely delighted with that. So, little may his form continue. David Neres was back in the starting lineup, Barney. He he started off the season in, in, in really good form, I thought. Then he picked up that injury, and I think he struggled to build his form back after the injury. Um, now seems to be performing at a, a pretty good level again. How important do you reckon he's going to be for the rest of the season? Because when he's fit and firing... He's one of those players, like a Sarabia last year, who just has that air of a player too good for this league when he's on top form. But he has struggled a little bit for consistency. I don't think that's unfair to say. Well, yeah, the thing I, I took away from this game from him was that there's a couple of missed shots. You know, I wouldn't say yeah. maybe not missed, but that pulled shots, you know, sort of from around the edge of the box area and just pulling it wide. But, the, the but you know, before... Like he was, you know, it was always good build-up play from him, like dribbling, cutting inside, like making space, making defenders move, you know, creating spaces for other players as well. So he's always got that in his locker, hasn't he? And I think what we want to see is a a bit more better shooting, essentially, because I think that that is, you know, there was one or two goals in the first half of the season, which was was that, you know, cutting inside and and, and getting a good hit and and finding in the net, and and that was good, uh, really good, because obviously, you know, the the. He's a very different player from Jao Mario. Oh, Jao Mario on that right-hand side when he's playing there, you know, he 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 very much likes to come in, come inside and find spaces more close to the middle of the pitch. Um, and obviously his his, his defensive ability well won't be of that of Jao Mario. As you know, when we talked last week about uh, how Roger Smith likes to use those players in those positions to sort of try and turn over the ball high up the pitch, and he obviously doesn't offer that. But that's because he's got this amazing talent, as you allude to, and I think. Maybe, you know, when we're talking about a Benfica team, we've, we've talked about Goncalo Ramos there, you know, sort of being now their top goal scorer. But the players we've talked a lot about the season don't have that bit of magic, that bit of ability to, to, to create so we make things happen. And I think Neres does have that, you know, the, to be that star, to just 
literally go on a, a mazy run and, and make something happen. So that's why I want to see more from him. You know, that that ability and and, and attacking and attacking that, that defense. Famalicao obviously got nothing out of the game, but I thought it. I thought it was a decent performance overall. Um, weirdly enough, I, I I agreed. I was watching the game with BT Sport in the UK, and I agreed with the assessment from the commentators of how Family Cow were playing. I thought that their game plan was actually the right one because they didn't they didn't go out too gung-ho early doors. They tried to contain the game as best they could. They did limit Benfica to very few chances in the first half. It was one of the few chances that they had that they converted into a goal. And in the grand scheme of things, being 1-0 down with about an hour or so to go wasn't the end of the world. And it was at that point they decided to start pushing forward more to try and get themselves back into it because with 30 minutes to go I thought they were capable of, of causing Benfica some problems of their own um, there, there were opportunities there to maybe nick a goal and, and you know if you're looking at it like they get a, an equaliser in the 75th and the 80th minute and then they can grind out a draw that's a brilliant result for Family Cow going away to steady the lose so I thought the game plan itself was good and almost executed well but you know Obviously, when you come against a team of Benfica's quality, you're never sort of guaranteed to be able to execute a game plan the way you want to. I really like their midfield this season, and and, and in Zaydu Youssef, the young Frenchman, and alongside the Argentinian Colin Bato, I think that's a really solid midfield, and I think that they're very much key in, like you said, there, sort of controlling the game, managing the you know the, the defense well, protecting it well. I mean, Youssef, I thought is what he was brilliant at is not only like the finding seeking out danger you know always covering areas that, that midfield area you know sniffing out danger he was so good at driving forward and and i looked at his stats out he's the only players averaging more dribbles in the league are david neres marcus edwards and pepe aquino and zayda yusuf's a defensive midfielder you know that sort of shows you what, what he's got to offer um and at just 23 years old i think that's someone we could you know could really keep up uh should keep an eye on um and then another player that stood out for me for Family Cup was uh, Leonardo Sanka. Um, I, I wrote down the big number nine because he wears <laughs> he wears a number nine, but he's he's a winger, isn't he? He's, he's an yeah. out and out winger, and, and he but but with quite a big stature. And yeah, he, he looked good, man. He's he's alone from Spezia, having signed there a few years ago from Brogas B team, and he was alone at Casapia last season actually. But two goals in seven games now, it, it, that's good for Family Cow. You know, I think we'll, we'll definitely see more of him. I thought he worked really hard defensively too, trying to cover. Grimaldo as well, um, and it just looked good, good with both feet. And 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 I'm talking about David Neres cutting inside. You know, he had a uh, Leonardo Sanka had a decent shot coming inside on his left foot as well. So, yeah, that, that, those are two players who really impressed me for Famicar. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Sanka stood out to me as well, Barney. I think he he played quite an eye catching performance. I thought he, you know, like you said, some of the shots that he was he was trying and the way he, I thought he linked up with his teammates quite well when they were trying to get forward. Um, he looked like a player of real quality in that team. So, um, yeah, I completely agree with that. Really enjoyed watching him play. Uh, and it's good for Family Cow to have those type of players, like you say, uh, Zaidu, Sanko, them type of players who, uh, in form, have that little bit of quality maybe that can help them unlock teams because they've had a bit of a so-so season, Family Cow, and I think they're in need of one or two players to kind of step up a little bit and, and help push the team on to a, to a slightly higher level. Let's do our next game, Barney, and talk about Porto. Um, they obviously wanted to bounce back from last week's defeat at Gilles Vicente. 
And they did exactly that against Shams, winning 3-1 away from home. It was goals from Danny Namaso, Ottavio, Antonio Martinez that sealed the win. And I do want to start by talking about uh, Englishman Danny Namaso. It was his second consecutive league start, but a very different outcome from the last game where he started the game against Gilles Vicente, played really well in the first half, assisted Mediterrami, but was obviously taken off at half-time when Porto went down to 10 men and kind of ruined an opportunity for him to, to make his mark on a game. This week, he got the full run out. He played really well once and again and was rewarded with a brilliant, brilliant goal. It's his best spell for Porto since joining, you have to say, and hopefully the start of increased involvement in, in the senior first team. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wrote down. I said, I wrote down, I hope this is the start, but then I start. I can never work out conscious Sal. That, that's, the, that, that's the thing and, and how he how he brings players into the team and, and what they need to do to sort of cement their place and but look, if I'm being totally honest, but I think his recent performances, and 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 I'm trying not to be biased here, but I, I think his, his his recent performances performances has have excited me more than any Evan Nielsen performance I've seen. I agree with that, and because I think you know he's he looks hungry, he he, he can make a bit more happen for himself. You know, look at the goal he he found, he made that space himself. He he you know he was good on the ball. He was. Um, confident as well you know he wasn't afraid to sort of ball defenders out of position and have a little little bit of a run I thought you know I think he looks really good and so yeah I think I'll be interested what other people have to think about that but like I think that that's my overall feeling with Daniel Amasa at the moment is that there's a striker there and you know imagine him alongside because he I mean he played excellently alongside Tony Martinez in this game um, but imagine him again alongside Taremi you know and think and think of that Taremi Evanilson partnership we saw at the beginning of the season I think Danny Namasso in there ahead of Evan Nilsson could be could be a far more dangerous attacking duo. It's interesting because Danny himself has been has been quite he's been quite ambiguous about what position he sees himself playing in. There was even an interview he did uh, when he joined Porto where he described himself as an attacking midfielder, and I think that reflects the fact that he's a much more dynamic player than Tony Martinez and Evan Nilsson, and probably. Mediterranean as well in terms of speed, agility, dribbling. But the thing that you see from from Danny with this goal is the finishing, which in my opinion is his biggest attribute. I think he's an elite finisher and I don't think it's that controversial to say I don't think any of the other three strikers that Porto have would finish that chance in the way that he did. I think he's got a, a level of finishing in my opinion that is even slightly above Mediterranean. Um, I can already hear a few of the Porto fans clicking away on the keyboards as I say that. But look, I mean, maybe we are biased and, and who knows, look, we are football fans. Everyone knows we love the English guys. But I think Danny is a very excited talent and I think he is a finisher, a, a natural finisher in a way that even some strikers aren't. Some strikers are great poachers. Some are great with their movement. Some are great with their physicality. Danny's great with his finishing. So yeah, I'm really excited by this performance. It's, you know, I had to say, I bring it up again. You know, I'm, I'm going to watch Porto at the Stadio de Grau uh, on Friday. I'm very excited. Um, the last time I did that, I saw him make his debut and score. It's quite an exciting prospect to go and watch on Friday against Estoril, thinking that he might be getting a start uh, and he may all get on a score sheet again. I think he's in a, a very different position than he was a year ago uh, today, where he was kind of um, not really an option for the first team. Now he's very much an option, and I think it's... Uh, yeah, the, the end of the season is going to be quite exciting and quite interesting to see where he takes it. 
The other goal scorer, Barney, was Otavio. He was also given man of the match on the day. He really put in a performance that I think epitomised what he brings to this team. Creativity and goals, really, I thought. Of course, he scored his own goal. and It was an excellent move, a move which he started and finished himself, which really impressed me. He also set up Danny Damaso for, for the opening goal. But I think there's other sides to his game as well that perhaps we don't see as much um, defensively. For example, there's a moment in the game where Diogo Costa gives the ball away uh, from a goal kick and is forced into a great save. Well, Otavio is the player who Diogo Costa is trying to pass to. He's looking to pick the ball up in the left-back position. And when you know when that Chavez player nicks the ball because the pass is too short, Otavio is sprinting into the box to try and make a defensive recovery. He's not... You know, he, he he doesn't give up on the pass. I think that's that's a side of this game we don't talk about too much. And of course, in his own way, he he's a he's a leader on that pitch. He's one of the senior players now. He might not be a saint, you know. It sounds a bit strange, but he's still yeah he's still a senior senior player. He leads the team in terms of game management. I think you know people might not like it, but he draws fouls. Uh, he sees the opportunity to punish, as we saw in this game, punish inexperienced players. And I think, you know, some people might not like it, opposition fans might not like it, but when he's on your team, you know, those are really important attributes in terms of game management. I, I read Otavio is the best in the world at remembering who's on a yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be, man. And, 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 and look, that is quite a skill, I think, to sort of, you know, in the, in the heat of a match and when everything's rushing around you to, to sort of know who who's on the yellow. Mate, that uh, poor kid from Shavis didn't stand a chance, did he? <laughs> no, and then look, perhaps um, also had a bit of the luck, a bit of a bit unlucky, sorry, last week with some of the VR decisions and, and perhaps a little fortunate in, in this game with some of the VR decisions for the Shavis two uh, sendings off as a result of second yellow cards. Um because that, I mean, that obviously didn't help Shavs at all in, in, in this game. But no, I agree with you and everything you say there about Otavio. I think, you know, he's a constant in this team. And, and you know, we've seen players come and go in this Porto team who have a bit more glamour to them. You know, I think about Luis Diaz and Bettina, say, you know, even potentially Fabio Vieira, they have a bit more of a a sheen, maybe. And, and then Otavio just seems to be this sort of rough, rough around the edge player. But, you know, he'd be... In, in terms of importance to a, a team and being, you know, it, we perhaps don't appreciate enough what he does. I think that's what you were trying to say with, with your points there. I wanted to talk about Tony Martins. I know I mentioned him earlier, but because, um, you know, as old as he is, you're never going to get an easy game against Stephen Vittori, are you? So I think Martin has battled well and, and, and I took his goal really well. And, and you know, like we've talked a lot about Massey, but I think both those strikers, you know, for Porto had, had really good games. Um, therefore they work quite well together as well so yeah I always want to any opportunity I've got to praise Tony Martins I'll take <laughs> yeah no he had the ball in the back of the net twice of course didn't he he had that good finish ruled out so I, I was pleased to see him get his goal Chavez Barney ended up the game with nine men on the pitch um, in both cases it was players with two yellow cards that got sent off um, unfortunately it does look as though the first sending off was a refereeing mistake because the first yellow card given is actually a foul on the Chavs player by uh, Grujic. So that seems like a referee mistake, which is, you know, it's really unfortunate. I sympathize with Chavez for that. But that second mid sending off, as we mentioned, from his fielder, Joao Mendes, two cards in two minutes. It was the second was a very stupid foul on Otavio that he, he saw coming. Um, 
perhaps it shows a bit of naivety and inexperience uh, that the Chavez side, you know, still have. Yeah, no, I think that it wasn't a it wasn't their best eleven. You know, they were obviously out without um, Tesheria, who was uh, suspended, I think, um, and a few yeah, like you mentioned, inexperienced midfielders coming into the team. So yeah, I think this was always going to be a hard game for them, but. Yeah, there's not much you can say really when they're coming up at, at, at like a team like Porto. I, I, I saw a statistic which sort of took me aback, although maybe it's not that incredible. But it Porto are unbeaten in 192 of their last 208 games in the league, which is that's a, that's a weird stats cut out. But you know, yeah, it's it's my impressive. Well, let's move on, Barney, uh, to Braga uh, and talk about their game against Real Ab. I thought this game went very similarly to the Benfica game, personally. I think Rio Ave came in as the underdogs and played a good game, had their own chances, but it was a goal in the first half and a late second goal uh, that secured three points for Braga. Two good goals for Braga, good move for the first goal. Uh, it was a good pass from Tormene into Abel Ruiz, little flick round the corner to Medeiros, and it's a simple pass and tapping for Bruma to finish. Braga have been playing good football like that all half, I thought. Um, Really good football. Really enjoyed it. Uh, they were looking to break through that Rio Ave defence. Had they had a bit more luck, I think they would have had one or two more goals in that first half. But listen, it was great football and I thought it was a, a really enjoyable game to watch, to be honest. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they're playing some really nice stuff, man. They get lots of players forward in the formation they play. You know, obviously the wingers and I thought Bruma looked excellent in particular, you know, and I think he's been a, a, a really smart signing and, you know, because he's going to bring goals to the team. He's got three goals in five games now, or, or a goal every sixty-four minutes. That's that's really good. And considering you've lost one of your most the most exciting strikers in the league in the, in the January window, you know that's a really good replacement to bring in. And of course, allows them to you know put Ricardo Horta further up the pitch. And it's for my memory, Albert, I think I've Braga have looked best when Andre Horta's in the team. You know, I think you know he he offers a lot of creativity. I know they've been going with Mizrati and Rashic recently, and in, in, in the two midfielders, but on, on you know uh, who I would probably say are quite similar in style, Rashic and uh, Mizrati. You know, defensive big lads. Um, you know, but, but Andre Horta coming in gives them that bit more creativity. I think you know, good passing range, and so yeah, I, I, and I just completely agree with you there, man. I think they just play some really nice football, and it was a. a, a comprehensive win you know they were 64% possession 21 shots you know this was a really solid win for them you know Barney it's really um, serendipitous that you mentioned Andre Hoare because uh, it, on Twitter after the game I saw uh, Dave Pereira our friend and Braga fan and then Matteo from Galasso TV both big Braga fans saying the exact same thing about how Andre Hoare not Ricardo Hoare the Ricardo Hoare is the famous one who's played for the national team linked with Benfica but Andre Water is actually an underrated player in this team. And it definitely made me think that, do you know what? I, I'm guilty of overlooking him as well. You know, I don't really think about him as an important player for, for Braga. It's easy to see him as, you know, Ricardo Water's younger brother, a little bit less good, a little bit less consistent. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going to make, next time I watch Braga, I'm going to make sure I keep an eye on him because he does seem to be a really important cog in that midfield, keeping the game ticking over, you know. So I'll keep an eye on him on the next game. Simon Banza, Barney, we've got to talk about it. Obviously, stole the show with his goal. Uh, a brilliant bicycle kick to win the game uh, in the last 10 minutes. I know it was very close range, you know, but the connection he gets with that bicycle kick, 
so satisfying such a clean connection it looks great in the air doesn't it uh he pulled it he pulled it off really well i'm sure he enjoyed it as much as everyone watching it enjoyed it but listen he's been in good form he didn't start the game that was the interesting thing but he came on and made a good impact it, it's funny you know they lost um patina in, in in january and we wondered uh, how they would do without a replacement striker and one of the, one of the suggestions was well they'll they'll start with one striker uh, and with Bruma signing um, that's what Arthur George chose to do in this game started uh, Abel Ruiz up top and started three behind him so Simon Banza had to kind of settle for the bench he's been in really good form clearly after George is saying that you know no one is is guaranteed a starting spot which is interesting but I think he's he's shown that he's he's more than good enough to be to be Braga's starting striker, if I'm honest. Well, I, I was about to say, I feel like Abel Ruiz is guaranteed a starting spot. It's difficult. It's <laughs> difficult. Uh, but then, you know, he, he, he's he's not just the goal scorer, is he? He offers a lot more to the team. Um, I I have to be honest, I, I think my favourite part of the Banza goal was um, Costina um, feigning <laughs> that he got hit in the head. You know, just Mate, trying you've anything. Got, you've could. got to try it. You've <laughs> got to try it. <laughs> I know exactly. You've got to go for it. I, I couldn't play that. Um, I, I, I know there was one more player with Braga I wanted to talk about. That was um, Sada Saatchi, the young Turkish centre-back. Uh, I think it was his full debut, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I thought he played very well, you know, in that back line. He's, he's only 20 years old. They signed him for Besiktas, so he's got, obviously got a lot of growth in there. And I thought he, you know, looked, looked pretty decent in in that back line. Because, you know, to be fair to Rirav, they had they had a few of their enchanters. Mateus pulled out a, a really good save with a header sort of looping yeah. over him and having to jump backwards. Um, and you know the two strikers Boateng and and y- Yakubu got forward a few times uh, for Rio Ave, but um, ultimately I thought yeah like I, we've we've been saying Brog had put in a really solid display. Yeah, it wasn't. It, you're right. Rio Ave did one or, did have one or two moments. Guga continues to really impress me. I think he he, he wears the captain's armband really well. He, he's he's a leader for them, and and I think he's you know comfortably their best player on the pitch. Um, they kind of. Started both halves well, I thought, but couldn't keep up that intensity for 90 minutes. Maybe they could have scored, but I don't think they ever really were going to get anything out of the game. Obviously, Barney, the thing we, we've got to mention is that they're going to have to finish this season without top scorer, Yakubu Aziz. Seven goals and three assists he's got this season, uh, but he's just sealed a move to China with Wuhan, three towns. Um, do you think that's going to be a big impact on them uh, for the rest of the season? I don't know. It was rumoured of a move in January as well, wasn't it? That that, that sort of fell apart. Um, so they perhaps they they've been preparing for this, but I think he's been a good player for them. And and the, the formation to play with the two strikers, him, him Boateng, you know, had been a handy little striking duo. So yeah, shame for him to leave. But um, I don't know. I think uh, I've got a feeling Riyad was sort of prepared for this. Let's talk about Sporting Barney. They didn't have their most comfortable win of the season against Portimonens, but it was a win nonetheless. Uh, it was nil-nil until Paulinho pulled out the acrobatics 15 minutes from the end of the game and scored a decisive goal uh, to make it 1-0. To be fair to Sporting, there were more chances in this game than the scoreline suggests. Pedro Gonçalves, in particular, I thought could have scored one or even two. Uh, and Portimonense didn't really threaten them until maybe the last 5-10 minutes of the game when they decided to start playing football. But look, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that it's three points on the table when it's a job done. I think this was the attacking trio. I, I've I've certainly wanted to see, you know, with Pedro Gonzalez, Schmitty, and Edwards. I want to see that for some time now. But I, to be honest, I thought Pot was the only one who did much. To be honest, and I felt like he was doing everything really. He was, you know, 
it was a fantastic game from his point of view. I think, you know, uh, and I think it, he made it glaringly obvious that this is his best position, you know, but what he, he was putting dangerous balls in the box, obviously creating a lot of shots himself. Um, just was so unlucky not to score, really. He obviously missed that penalty and a, a couple of good saves from Nakamura as well. Um, and I, I just thought, it, you know, it's just funny, isn't it? It takes Paulinho to come on for them to score. And then <laughs> I saw the statistic from the goal point, you know, 11 goals and assists for the season for Paulinho. And in those games, he's contributed. Sporting have not lost and they've only drawn once. You know, that... that yeah. It's, I, did see, I did see a stat which said Sporting had won every game that... Paulinho had scored in this season I thought well yeah but that's three goals in three games so it's hardly (laughs) hardly a great start but we've spoken a lot about about Avro's squad selection recently Um, and there there were more changes in this game obviously as you mentioned the most notable ones were Trincao and Paulinho were out of the starting 11 Um, Chimiti came in and Gustavo was back on the wing it does seem that Avrim now his preference is to play Ugarta and Marita in midfield and to play Gonçalves and Edwards on the wing. The question is obviously whether Paulinho starts or whether he tries to fit in Trincao. So I was going to ask you what your preferred combination of those players would be. I think you just said you, you like the one that they started in with this game. For me, the only question mark is whether Paulinho should start over Chimiti because whilst I like Chimiti and I think he's a raw talent, um, I don't think he actually offers you more than than what Paulinho offers you. Even though I know Paulinho has not scored a lot, neither has Chimiti really. And Paulinho, I think, has the experience and is better on the ball. That technical ability that he has, that Chimiti doesn't, I think, is makes him uh, a preferred starter. But then it does feel strange to to be talking about leaving Trincao on the bench when it, you know we saw what he could do just last week against Estoril, scoring that incredible goal. So it's it's a difficult difficult headache for for Amarim, but. I suppose in some ways you could say having too many good players is better than not having enough, obviously. Yes, but I, I, you know maybe that, that Paulinho and Chimiti should be rotated a bit. Maybe Edwards and Trincao should be rotated a bit. You know, we haven't really seen Edwards drop from the starting 11 for a while and, and he, hasn't, he hasn't been brilliant of late. I, like I said earlier, the main takeaway for me was just how good Pedro Gonçalves was in, in, in that attacking thing and just that needs to be the one. I think looking at the back line as well, but if we're talking about... Um, Amarin's squad selection. Diamonde coming in, I know I said it before, Diamonde coming in on the right-hand side of that back three and putting Anassi on the left-hand side is so, it, for me, is so effective because I'd, when Anassi burst into the scene, right, we were always talking about his his passing. You know, He was able to cut through the lines, put direct passes forward and get Sporting going, starting the attacks. And Diamonde is able to do the same on that right-hand side. And now Anassi is on his preferred left-hand side with his left foot and can pass up the line. I think that's working really well for Sporting in terms of how they how they can start attacks now. Yeah, I think it, it just seems much more balanced, doesn't it? That back line now, which I think is a positive. And uh, Diamand has made a real real impact, I think, in that back line since coming in. Obviously, eyebrows were raised at, at the feet when he joined, but he does look like to, does look like he's a, a top talent and, and, and worth the investment. Um, just quickly on Portsmouth ends, Barney. Uh, they're obviously still really struggling in the league. They've not improved their league position much. It's two wins in their last five games, which doesn't sound that bad, but seven losses in their last 10 games tells a very different story. They're 10 points above automatic relegation, so it would take something pretty dramatic for them to go down, but still, their season's really just kind of whimpering out, isn't it, really? Uh, well, one thing they can be proud of is I think this is the first time I've ever seen the 6-3-1 formation utilised <laughs> by a manager. <laughs> 
<laughs> with the four centre backs and then Eratra and Sek on the wing. So you know it was, I've, you know when I saw the lineup, I was just like bloody hell because it <laughs> it's been coming, man. They, they've recently gone with, um, you know, I, I don't know. They they they've the defence has been chopped and changed. And they made a few signings and and they've all sort of just been slotted in and, and he's gone with a back six. It was just too way too defensive. Um, I mentioned Eratra and Sek on the wings, and I, and I know a lot was asked of them in terms of covering both both ends of the pitch. But they made a few mistakes. Obviously, the penalty was it was a bit of a blunder. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the only the only shining light for me at the moment for them is is Nakamura in goal. He's, yeah, he's you know he's the highest rated keeper in the lead. Another amazing performance. I think there just must be something in the water in the Algarve, isn't it? Because they they, they, make, <laughs> they make amazing keepers. You know, we had. Um, Samuel Portugal last season and Nakamura this year he's, he's brilliant 6-3-1 don't tell me you don't get tactical innovation in, uh, in, in the Premier League alright then Barney let's talk about the best of the rest from teams in the Premier League and I want to start this part of the show with Estoril versus Vizela. Now, Estoril took on Vizela in their first game since appointing Ricardo Suarez as manager, but any hopes of a new manager bounce swiftly evaporated as they fell to a heavy 3-0 loss at home. That is now their seventh consecutive loss in the league. They're lucky that the three teams below them all lost as well this week, otherwise they would have slipped further into the relegation battle. They're currently six points above the relegation playoff spot. But how many times are they going to be able to get away with losing games like this? Because we've said it before, Barney, it was a few weeks ago, we were saying, oh, they're 12 points above the relegation spot. Then it was 10. Now it's six. And you sense that if they don't turn things around soon, they could run out of time. It was disastrous defending for the first goal, wasn't it? I don't think it's calamitous really. And I, and... I don't really like to single out players out, but I thought their captain Jalzini was arguably at fault for all of their goals. He had, he had a really poor game. He had a game to forget. It wasn't necessarily that he's 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 a really bad player, but no, no, no. He just it was just one of those games for him to forget everything went wrong. Yeah, and I, I you know, I was trying to work it out because I, I think one thing that Verissimo tried to do that I think Ricardo Suarez continued in this game was was bring experience into that back line, right? And he brought in Mexa, who's who's 34 years old. But that means that Bernardo Vital misses out. And I think last season, Alvaro and Vital, a pretty decent centre-back partnership, you know, both young. And, and that was something to sort of build on, perhaps. But, but you know, there was just, I don't know, there was just too many times. Vizilla made it look easy, to be honest. They just sort of carved that defence apart. And I think that's the their real problem they need really need to sort sort that out quick it's it's a, it's obviously a little bit of a cliche isn't it but when when things are bad it just seems like everything starts to go wrong and that's kind of what happened to Esther in this game there was a lot of i thought there was a lot of misfortune around the first two goals the first goal you know as you said if anyone's not seen it the first goal essentially comes when an Esther defender almost comically clears the ball but it goes straight into the face of, of one of his teammates. His teammate falls over, the ball bounces into the box, and it's basically a, a tap-in for Vizela. It, it, it's almost laughable if you're if you're not, if you're not an Estoril fan. Perhaps, they, but then you know, perhaps it's almost I don't know what you feel about this, but perhaps it's almost a naivety and and 
uh, inexperienced. When sh- should the Estoril guy who got hit in the head not be claiming a head injury at that point to try and get the game stopped? Maybe it's the referee's res- maybe it's the referee's responsibility to stop the game. I don't know, but either way, it's you know. Then you just it's... have defenders backing balls into other defenders' faces <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Listen, I'm not suggesting they they start it as a tactic. I'm just saying you've got to try. You know, you've got to try these things when you're in their position. But it didn't go their way, and of course, the second goal, it's an own goal. I think it does come off Jarzinho as well, doesn't it, Barney? So it, it was a really poor goal. There was no luck involved in Vizela's third goal, though, which I thought was a, a, a really good goal in the second half. You know, they, they scored at a, a really good time when Estoril were, were desperate to get back into the game. Um, and Vizela went and killed the game off with a brilliant counter-attack. Lovely passing build-up. Um, in my opinion, I think the finish itself was a bit too easy. I think the keeper should make it a bit harder for him. But Vizela showed in that moment for me, you know, the difference between uh, a team that's well-organised and, and with confidence and a team that are just struggling. And to be honest, a team that just looked lost. I think that third goes Vizela through and through, you know, quick forward passing, you know, on the break. They they don't usually have that much possession. They, 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 they're happy to sort of go on the counter-attack. And I think that's sort of, um, yeah, that was a, that was a perfect example of, of that sort of thing. I I, I think, Albert, yeah, Vizela are a, a really well-balanced team. You know, you look at the back line and, the keeper's been a very solid keeper. Bruno Wilson has been really consistent in as at centre back. And then in midfield you've got Guzzo and Samu, who are both excellent midfielders. I honestly think Albert Samu could be doing it at a higher level. I've been so impressed with him uh this year. Like he's just he's really stepped up. He obviously got the assist for the first quick thinking. And then you look at this, the front line as well, Kika Bondoza, Osmagic, you know, They've scored the six most most goals in the league. You know, this is this is Pizzella we're talking about, and then they're playing aggressive, you know, attacking football and, and getting goals. And yeah, it's, it's just it's just so good to see. I'm really happy for them. Yeah, definitely, Tulipa's doing a really good job with Pizzella. Unlike Estero, that's a team on the up uh, rather than on the way down. Um, big game, Barney. Big game between Gil Vicente and Maritimo at the weekend. Um, Hilversen continued their excellent run of form with a 2-0 win. It was a big game for Maritimo this Barney, who themselves have been... had some decent results recently. They've climbed out of the bottom two for the first time in the season. They were looking to keep that momentum going. But I thought personally that that this was a a fairly comprehensive 2-0 win for Hilversen. I think it was a game, to be honest... Um, in which they showed quite clear superiority over Maritimo. So I expected perhaps a tighter game. I expected perhaps both teams to, to sort of give and take a little bit. But it, in the end, I thought Gilvesen made this look quite comfortable to their credit. I've, been, I've just been so impressed with Daniel Souza. I think only the top four managers have got a better points per match return since he's become charged with Gilvesen. You know, that they're ranked fifth in possession, fifth of pass accuracy. He's got them playing really good football. Um, and they're really coming into their own now, aren't they? They're sort of controlling games, being like just having that bit more comfort. You know, I think in the first half of the season we saw a lot more panic, a lot more sort of mistakes, but they, they all seem to know what they're doing. It, it's working really well. I thought, but, you know, Carrasco has an excellent game at right back, and, and that's real healthy competition now between him and Z Carlos. You know, it's a great problem for Daniel Souza to have, and then Thiago Araujo to get the, get his goal as well. You know. Another great performance for him, and 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 capped off with a, a fine header. Um, I I I did write down Albert that I thought it suited Marito going down a goal down. I thought they did 
we're able to sort of attack a bit more after that. It, you know, do you know what I mean? We've yeah, researched they've they've gone ahead and sort of not known what to do. But I think in a strange way, but having to chase something, we sort of saw them attack a bit more. I think Jadis had a few good chances. Um, I I, I wrote down the green kit, Albert, because was it Manu <laughs> who played? <laughs> Go was, on. was it Manu? Was it Manu? Was it? Did they play in green one time, or was it Gray and Alex Ferguson made them change at half time because he said they couldn't <laughs> see each other on the pitch? <laughs> Maybe there was a bit of that going on. <laughs> Is it the worst kit in the league? Uh, well, that question I can answer definitely yes. Um, no, no, I just want to come back in on Daniel Souza. I think we said it last week. I won't go on about it too much. He's been brilliant. Um, they, under him, you know, Jules sent are unbeaten in five games. They won six of the last ten. Um, he continues to do a really good job with the team. When he took over the club, Barney, they were in 16th place. Uh, he's got them up to 10th, uh, and that's only with 10 games in charge. Obviously, it might not be enough for them to trouble European places, but uh, very, very promising signs, I think. And, you know, they just look a very different team to the one that started the season. I saw we got a question from a friend of the podcast, uh, Jack Hacken, um, asking about any managers or players who you think are ready to make the move to one of the big three next season. I'm going to go early, Albert. I know it's a quite bored question, but I'm going to go early and say Daniel Sousa replacing Sergio Conceição. I just, I know, he's, 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 this is his first managerial job. You know, he was assistant manager for Andres Villaboas, you know, through his career. Um, and now this is his first, you know, his first proper crack at, at, at you know, at, at, the, at the top of the top of the table. And he's doing really, really well, got him playing really good football. So, yeah, that, that that's my early shout. I won't go as far as to say I think he'll end up at Porto, but no, definitely in recent weeks I've been looking at Daniel Sousa and thinking not only is he getting good results with this team, but he just seems to have that kind of aura and presence that you get from a, a good manager. So very impressed with Daniel Sousa so far this season. I think you kind of alluded to it, Barney. It wasn't a great game for Marie Timo. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago that they were good at grinding out results, perhaps not in the prettiest fashion. Well, from their perspective, this was far from a, a pretty game. Riascos continues to uh, throw his weight weight around up front with with very little effect, um, and in my opinion, they never really like making their mark on the game. You know, don't, I don't enjoy singling out players, but Andre Vidigal, unfortunately for me, Barney had a very poor game. I thought he was guilty of very poor decision making, poor quality in key moments. You know opportunities when they're on counter-attacks and he's on the board he's got a decision to make or a, a pass to make and he he fails to do so I thought his performance held them back in this game for me Barney that they're, they're one of their few shiny lights continues to be their number nine Pablo Moreno I think he's a player of, of genuine quality on that side he, he he made good chances a couple of times I think he looks good on the ball um, and I think you know if, if Maurice are going to start winning games on a consistent basis, I think they need to get players like him, get players like Shadas on the ball as much as they possibly can and perhaps keep it away from players like Vidigal and Riascos who are not helping them too much. But there's not a lot of quality in that side. So I think when you've got one or two quality players, you've got to build the team around them. And, I, and if that was me, I think I would be singling those two players out as players that are going to help them create chances and score goals. They went for a period, didn't they, where they were playing five at the back, and I think that perhaps allowed Claudio Winks to get forward another player of quality. And it, I, you know, if they were to do that, you know, that would mean there was less responsibility on the wingers, like Riascos and Vidigo, and and perhaps more focus on the middle of the pitch. Because I agree with you, I think Moreno is really good, and uh, like you said, Jadis was excellent in this game, and, and he has been a few times, but he's just not able to sort of get that goal, is he? That's the that's the difference. Let's move on and talk about the uh, the other island club, Barney. Talk about Santa Clara versus. 
Vittoria de Guimaraes. It was it was another win and another good performance for Vittoria, who beat Santa Clara 3-1 in the Azores. Uh, Vittoria have now won five out of their last six, Barney. They're in fifth place. They're five points clear of six. Um, it looks like they'll most likely be playing Conference League football next season. Of course, only barring an unlikely run at fourth place, uh, anything can happen. Obviously, uh, anyone can get a win against Santa Clara these days, but you still got to go and do it. And 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 and, and they won the game in very convincing style. Yeah, it was a, a another good display for them. You know, a bit of rotation in the squad as well. We saw players like Andre Andre come in and and, and excel in midfield. You know, I was talking about Danny Silva last week, but you know, to have that op- option to bring players like the end, players like that in, and, and for them to perform, I I, I really like the attack Albert. You know, that mixture of Jota Silva. Andre Silva and then Safiri, you know, I think that that was a, a great to see Andre Silva back. You know, he is he's had a, a little battle with a few battles of injuries, on uh, and 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 does he only ever score bangers, Albert? Because all I can <laughs> seem to remember is him just hitting the ball from deep and <laughs> looping over the keeper. He scored a great goal in this game. Let's talk about the goals, Barney. He scored a really good goal. I'm so sorry to be that guy. But it was terrible goalkeeping. I yeah, do not know what the Santa Clara goalie is doing. Basically standing on the edge of the box when, when Pretoria are only about 5-10 metres away from him in attack. Really poor goalkeeping. Just what your team don't need when you're already losing 2-0 and you're in a relegation battle uh, is your goalkeeper to do something stupid like that. But great goal for him. And listen, Barney, who had Alison Savira making a bid for Premier League a top goal scorer on their 2023 Premier League bingo card because this guy has come out of absolute nowhere he's now Victoria's second top goal scorer with six goals he's one goal behind Anderson Silva at seven but Anderson Silva scored those in double the amount of minutes he arrived at the club in the summer from B-Sad on a free transfer did pretty well at B-Sad last year to be fair scoring six goals in 24 games and that was in a very poor side so that's not a, a, a bad goal scoring return he's only really come into the picture at Victoria in the last five or six games but he's really taken his chance with five goals in those games he's he's a he's an unlikely story Barney but uh, he's one that I personally am enjoying so fair play to the kid long may it continue yeah no I, I thought it was great for him as well to get those goals um Albert oh, just one more player I I, I Surprise, surprise, it's, it's a young Portuguese player for Vitoria. Um, at the Rafa, the keeper, 19-year-old Portuguese keeper coming in for the injured Bruno Varela. Um, I think he actually, one of, I think he got an assist actually uh, effectively for <laughs> for uh, Andre Silva's goal. But he, um, I thought he, he, you know, there was a, Santa Clara had limited chances, but he made a, one or two good saves and, and, and that was good to see. Um, I mean, it, I guess I'll bring it around to Santa Clara, but uh, one of us has to, once again, just nothing offered enough. Absolutely, when Rildo and Victor Bobson got on the pitch and managed to combine, um, Rildo's you know player I've actually thought has been all right on the wing, but you know he didn't he didn't get the start in this game. It's just not. It's it's. I think that the, the exciting thing about it, well, is is it they make the relegation battle more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're definitely giving Marito and Patasos hope at the moment, aren't they? Um, I've not got anything to say about the performance. It was, you know, another really bad performance. There's only so much you can say about it. Um, but obviously, they're, they're currently without a manager. They sacked George Chamel, um, and they didn't show any signs of improvement since letting him go. 
surely it has to be a worry that they didn't have someone ready to come in. I don't know whether that's harsh though, Barney. You know, obviously it's easy for us to say, why didn't they have somebody lined up? Maybe it's a difficult time to get a manager in. Maybe it's difficult to find the right person, you know, who wants to take over a club in a relegation battle. They've made they've made good managerial managerial decisions in the past. Um I said it on Zach Lowe's podcast, apologies, I might be repeating myself, but I didn't like the George Simao appointment. I thought Mario Silva was a good appointment. I thought even Nuno Campos, even though it didn't work out, was a good appointment. Um, I thought George Simao was a, uh, a, a the wrong choice. He's not the type of manager I associate with what Santa Clara are trying to do in terms of progressive managers playing good football and developing players. Um, where do they go from here? It's very difficult. I'm not. I'm not asking you for a, a name of who they bring in next, but just what do you think of the managerial situation at Santa Clara? Because 11 games of the season left, Barney. No transfer window for the new manager to bring his players in. He's got to be the right man if they're going to stay up. It's, it's about getting the best out of the players they've got. And when you when you look at their squad, you know I think they've been trying, as you mentioned, this confusing thing of having quite technically gifted players in some positions, and, uh, but uh, and then trying to play a more sort of direct style of football. I, honestly, mate, I kind I kind of work it out. I think. It just surprises me that there's players like Tagua who had such a promising start. Victor Bobson, you know, players who look like they might be able to do something. Um, Kennedy Boateng, you know, it's, I love the fact they brought Nano in, but, you know, so there's, there is some quality there. There's a team that you can put together to grind out results, perhaps, but it, it's whether they'll be able to attract someone to do that and then just instill belief in this sort of mismatch of a squad. Yeah. Well, just lastly, Barney, to keep on the subject of managers, but to bring it back to Victoria, um, Dave Pereira DM'd us a question for this podcast. Uh, and it relates to Moreno, the manager of Victoria, that I know that you are a big fan of. I'm also a fan of the work he's done with Victoria this season. Dave just asks out of Arthur George Moreno, and he's thrown in Petit here as well, Barney. That's a bit of an outlier for me. But out of Arthur George Moreno and Petit, um, how would you rank them based solely on this season's results, team performance, style of play, leadership, those type of things? Well, I think Moreno has to be right up there for me. I think after George has done an excellent job at Braga. I think the, the difference for me and Moreno, Albert, is that it's quite... I think this is a good thing as well, by the way. I, I think it's quite easy to see what he's done. You know, he's, he's coming with a, a, a specific style that is able to use young young inexperienced players can come in and out of that team and in whatever position and it all seems to work that you know everyone seems to know what they're doing build on that foundation of that back line and that keeper you, we got to look at the Braga game recently because you know there was to, to have that squad have that mentality because there's not many you know there's there's a couple of old stalwarts there you know who who, who will get it but there's there's there a lot of youngsters in that team who who were not intimidated by that um, but that game and it really excels. So I, I, that's that's what I've really liked about Moreno. Mm. No, I think it's hard for me to separate Moreno and Arthur George. I think for me, Petit is is just a little bit behind those. Although he does an underrated job, you know, he does. He has brought through players like like Makuta, like you know, there's there's players around that Boavista team who who have improved under him, and he plays decent football. But he's just behind Arthur George and Moreno. Hard to separate them. I I wonder, you know. If Arthur George was at Vittoria, would he be achieving what Moreno has achieved? I think yes. If Moreno was at Braga, would he be achieving what Arthur George has achieved? I'm slightly more hesitant on that. But for me, it's probably it's probably neck and neck between the two. And I think Moreno uh, deserves a lot of credit for, for what he's doing at Vittoria. 
All right, look, let's do our last game of the podcast, Barney. Let's do Monday night's game between Casapia and Passos du Ferreira. Big game for this podcast, Barney. Two teams that we've covered in depth this season. I tipped Passos to win this game, personally, given their improving form and also that kind of desperation for results that they're in at the moment with their with their relegation battle. Casapia in quite lackluster form as well. So I saw this as, you know, two teams are going in slightly different directions. Passos did go ahead, of course, through an incredible volley from Paolo Bernardo. But Casapia came from behind to win the game 2-1. And really important, Barney, not to underestimate that this for Casapia is a massive result as they try and keep alive their hopes of European football. Yeah, a, a huge result for them. And, and one that they, like you mentioned, needed to sort of boost their confidence again. I don't think there's a, it's, it's a coincidence that uh, having Lelo and God, Savio Godwin back in the team helped them. Um, you know, that, that, that just sort of breathed a bit more life into that left-hand side. Um, and, and, and I would say, actually, arguably, I think Passos' uh, weakest side is, is Delgado at right back. So that was, uh, that was good for them. But look, I think it's important to say that Passos really took the game to, to Casapia. They were, they were really fighting, created lots of chances. They were in the um, first just, half, Barney. No, no surprise that they were one nil up. Yeah, and and they just needed that second goal, didn't they? And then the Casapia were allowed back in with that perhaps unfortunate own goal for Maracas. I don't know if you just said this out, but I I, I think I didn't know who to root for. I, I like really yeah. like both these teams. I really wanted the passer uh, story to keep going and going, but I think um, this was this could be a turning point for Casapia because they have been on a, a downward bit of form of late. Hmm. I think, you know, for, for, for Passos' perspective, it's their, second, it's their second consecutive loss, not for the first time this season, but it's their conse- second consecutive loss. Um, and I think the difference being that with their kind of turnaround in form since Bichotto rejoined, this was two games that they would have targeted as winnable games and and, and they've lost both, both this week and, and last week. They'll be disappointed with the goals in this one again, Barney. As you said, they went 1-0 up and then they concede an own goal and then the second is, is itself a very scrappy goal with the ball just kind of bouncing around the six-yard box. They've got a game against Santa Clara coming up. Um, it's going to be absolutely huge, Barney. They will go level on points with Santa Clara with a win. Um, they've done really well to rebuild their season to a certain extent, rebuild their confidence since Cesar Pachetto has rejoined. But the, the fact of the matter is with 11 games left, they're, they're just very quickly running out of of real opportunities to put points on the ball because good performances don't mean anything for passers at the moment. Points are what they need if they're going to stay up. I mean, I think I'm really rooting for Paolo Bernardo to, to sort of, I mean, obviously we used to mention the head of a goal, to sort of step up and, you know, they have they have used the loan market before to good um, to good effects, if, particularly from Benfica last season. They, they, they need that that in midfield, that that option of a bit more creativity, and because I, I think that was a really strong eleven, they put out arguably their best. But yeah, they they need they need more goals, don't they, Albert? And, and unfortunately, Busquets didn't manage to find a net in this in this game. Very very disappointing result, passed for Well, look, that's our last game for this week's podcast. Um, as our listeners will know, we like to end each show with a couple of game recommendations for games we want people to watch next week. Barney, I've just mentioned mine. Um, Pastor Forever to Santa Clara. It's a game I'm going to be at and I'm absolutely buzzing. So I will recommend it not just for the game of football, but also people keep an eye out because you might spot a uh, bemused English tourist in the crowd. And if you do, 
send me a message and, uh, and say hello. But I think that's going to be, listen, a, a huge game for the relegation battle. Absolutely huge. Santa Clara are at complete rock bottom and Pastors have an opportunity to really take the game to them and get a result. So my game recommendation for next week, uh, Pastor Forever to Santa Clara. Yeah, no, I think it's hard to just agree with that, Albert. I also quite like the look of um, Rio Ave, Gilles Vicente, three thirty on the, the Sunday as well. That could be a buy. Uh, yeah, I think it's hard to beat uh, Pastor Santa Clara. That's going to be a, a hell of a game. Really important one. Very, very tasty. Look at the mixture. Well, look, we look forward to another great weekend of Primera Liga football. Well, look, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Uh, if you've enjoyed listening, you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can find us on Twitter at LongballFootball. Uh, and that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Thank you.